Welcome to the radio ministry of Cedar Grove United Methodist Church. May God fill you and transform you through the work of the Holy Spirit. Now for some music and then Pastor Brian Bully. gospel reading this morning is a familiar passage, a gospel uh, reading from the gospel of Luke, the first chapter, and it begins with verse 46. And Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now all, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is His name. His mercy extends to those who fear Him. From generation to generation, He has performed mighty deeds with His arms. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He's brought down rulers from their thrones and has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. This is the word of God for the people of God. You know, the ancient prospector said there's gold in them there hills. And so there was. And if you were a gold miner back in the 1800s, you'd take your pan and you'd scoop up some dirt from deep in the creek and you'd wash it around slowly, letting the light mud rinse away and leaving maybe, maybe just this tiny little speck of gold in the bottom of the pan and you do that all day and you collect a bunch of them. But you know, you might get lucky and you might find a pebble-sized nugget of gold down on the creek bottom and that would give you enough money to live for a year. And the miners got more sophisticated. And so they set up these wooden sluices where they could run water down through it all day long and shovel, put shovelfuls of mud into it to be washed away, leaving the gold behind. But you know, the gold ran out quickly. Today, of course, big gold mines pile up huge piles of dirt and separate the gold from the dirt by using chemicals to dissolve the gold and then bringing it back to settling ponds. It takes a lot of work to find the gold, but the gold is even more valuable today than it was 150 years ago. So how do we find gold? How do we find gold for our lives? Today we're going to figure out how to find gold in Scripture. Observe how I go through this piece and watch what I'm doing. 
And then you can find those little flakes and nuggets of wisdom that make the difference between a sad, dull life and a, a life full of joy and hope. We'll focus today on finding the gold in a couple of sections of Scripture. One's a song of joy, and the other is a series of commands for Christian believers. You know, at several points during, during Scripture, the Bible tells us that a certain person sang a song. For example, after the Israelites were rescued by God as they crossed on the bottom of the Red Sea, in Exodus 15, Moses and the Israelites sang a song. And then Moses' sister Miriam sang another song. Throughout the story of David, their songs of David are recorded, and many of the psalms are songs written by David. In Luke, there are a couple of important songs. There's the song of Zechariah the father of John the Baptist, towards the end of chapter 1. And there's the song of Simeon, who held the baby Jesus in his arms and sang in chapter 3. But the most often quoted one, the most often quoted song is the song of Mary, known as the Magnificat. The word is Latin for magnifies and comes from the first line, which traditionally was translated as, My soul magnifies the Lord. Mary has been visited by the angel Gabriel. And she leaves Nazareth and she hurries to the home of Zechariah and Elizabeth in the hill country of Judea, an area where many years later Jesus and his disciples would retire to as, after Lazarus' resurrection and before they entered Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. And there she meets her, her mother's sister, her aunt Elizabeth, an older woman, when Mary greeted Elizabeth, Elizabeth's baby, the future John the Baptist, leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and then she blesses Mary and calls her the mother of my Lord. Further proof that God was involved, for Mary had not yet had time to tell Elizabeth of Gabriel's visit. But let's look at the details of that song. And as we look at it, Perhaps we can also learn how to truly look in detail at any Bible passage, to act like gold miners looking for that slightest little fleck of gold because gold is so precious and wisdom is equally or more precious. We'll dig deeply into Mary's song. Mary says, my soul glorifies the Lord. Let's look at this in detail. You know, she didn't say, I glorify the Lord or... My mind glorifies the Lord. Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord. That's a strange way to speak, isn't it? Whenever you see something strange in Scripture, there's wisdom there. She's focusing upon that part of her that's the innermost part of her being, that soul that will last eternally, far after that shell of meat that she's wearing that's her body, Far after that decays, it's her soul that glorifies the Lord. And Mary's not speaking of a trivial praise here. It's not like someone speaking, wow, that Taylor Swift song sure moved my heart. Or how a political junkie speaks praises of a politician. Or a football fan speaks of the greatness of a particular quarterback. No, this is something that moves deep within inside her. Her soul glorifies the Lord. 
And whether you use that more modern glorifies or the older magnifies translation, the basic meaning is still the same. Mary's soul what it, does what it can to make the Lord and the Lord's go goodness known throughout the world. Does your soul do the same? Who is this Lord? The very word itself implies the supreme authority, the one in control, the master, the one to whom Mary owes obedience, the one to which we all owe our obedience. Do you give that obedience to your Lord? And is your Lord the master of the universe? She goes on, And my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Her deep soul glorifies the Lord, and her spirit, which could be breath in translation, her spirit, her breath rejoices. Mary is full of joy. She isn't just happy, she's ecstatic. She can leap for joy. She is so filled with this joy. It's God, her Savior, her Deliverer, whom, whom Mary rejoices in. Why does she do this? Well, she tells us, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. You know, many times in my life, I've seen God grant a prayer for me or show a small miracle just for me. The most amazing thing about this isn't that God has granted a prayer or shown a small miracle. It's the fact that the God who created the universe has paid attention to me. For we all know that God grants prayers. And we all pretty much know that God gives miracles. But the real shock that drives home the character of God is when God does something just for us. Not for a whole bunch of people, but for me or you or you. God pays attention to each of us. That's shocking to us, isn't it? And this is why Mary's rejoicing. God has noticed her. A young girl not known for anything special in the world, yet she knows that she'll be known as the Blessed Mary from that day forward throughout time. What has God done just for you? Mary tells us that she'll be known as the Blessed because the Mighty One has done great things for her. For isn't that the meaning of blessed? Are you blessed? Has God done things for you? Just you? And then Mary simply says, God's name is holy. Holy is one of those churchy words, you know. Its meaning is simply to be set apart or special has become to be known as sacred. But it's really just to be set apart. And this time of the year, we all have holy things. We have special china that comes out only at Christmas or maybe at Thanksgiving. We have the tree-topping star or the angel, the special ornaments on the tree, those special foods that we only eat at Christmas, even the holy songs we sing that celebrate Jesus, we only sing them at Christmas time or in church. The manger scenes. You know, things become holy when we celebrate God with them. What is holy in your home? What is treated special? This only used on special occasions. 
what comes out only at Christmas. And then Mary speaks again of God's character. She says, His mercy extends to those who fear Him from generation to generation. Now, I often hear people wanting justice. Justice is when someone gets what they deserve. But if we think about it, the people who want justice and ask for justice are truly wanting punishment of someone. But God is merciful. God treats us much better than we deserve to be treated. Perhaps that's why we always want justice for someone else. Punishment for someone else. But mercy for ourselves. You ever seen the little girl and the little boy say, You've got to punish him or you've got to punish her. Not me. Give me mercy. We do that as adults, don't we? Mary tells us that God gives mercy to those who understand God and fear God's power. And it isn't only for a few people today or a few people back in that day. God's mercy extends from one generation to the next generation. Even those who have been raised and taught poorly by their parents, God gives mercy to. Maybe we ought to extend mercy more and more and demand justice less and less. Mary then lists some of the things God has done, things that he has done that she's seen. He's performed mighty deeds with his arm. He scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. Yeah, God doesn't like pride, does he? God likes to remind us how weak and imperfect we each are. God doesn't like the person who thinks they're so much better than their neighbors and relatives, no matter how terrible the character of those neighbors and relatives. And you know we all have neighbors and relatives that we feel their character is pretty poor. But God doesn't measure us one, one to another. Instead, God compares us to his son, Jesus Christ, and to God himself. And so we have to sit and think for just a minute, how do we compare to Jesus in our character. And we look pretty poor and terrible, don't we? Mary says he's brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. You know, there's a mistake out there. Humble people don't think less of themselves. They're not the people who are always saying, oh, I'm so poor, I'm so terrible, I'm so rotten. No, but they do think more of others. Humble people don't think less of themselves, they think more of others. In particular, humble th people think more of God and the character of Christ. There's an old saying that speaks in the inner thoughts of the humble person, but for the grace of God, there go I. When we look around and we see someone who is having difficulties and such, we recognize it's not their fault, and our good situation is not our fault, but for the grace of God, there go I. I could be in that person's shoes, but God has been graceful to me, and I don't know why. It's something to remember every time we feel superior in the, to another in the eyes of God, because we aren't superior to another in the eyes of God. Who have you felt superior to recently? 
Mary says, he's filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. Yeah, God has the power to give to the hungry and to take away from those who today have everything they want. And God has done this before. Are you hungry for the things that God can give you? More importantly, are you hungry for the right things? Or are you stuck on those things that God could take away just like this? And God might take away just like this if your character doesn't measure up to the right things. Mary says he's helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. God made a promise to Abraham and his descendants that God would make a great nation from the family of Abraham simply because Abraham believed what God said when Abraham had no children and was an old man. And he, God did fill that promise. Do you believe the promises that God has made in the Old and New Testaments? Do you believe that God's Spirit has spoken through the writers of the Old and New Testament? Let's see then, if we can follow Paul's commands that he received from God and praises unto us, I had a misprint in the writing of the scripture. That wasn't Peter that wrote 1 Thessalonians, it was Paul. So let's take a look at our Thessalonians letter from Paul. He said, he gives us this command, rejoice always. That's pretty difficult, isn't it? But it's what we're told to do. Are you sad? Here's a cure. Begin to list what God has done for you during the course of your life. Just try, start listing everything. And when you get up to about the 10th or 20th thing, I suspect you're going to be a lot less sad than you were at the beginning. Paul, Paul tells us, pray continually. And that doesn't mean once a week. That means many times a day. Do you pray continually? And he says, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. When you see blessings from God, celebrate and thank God. Those blessings are the presents from God, wrapped in the bright, shiny wrapping paper, those blessings that we see right away. But when we see trouble in our lives, we need to look a little deeper to see those blessings because the blessings are there. They're just covered. They're hidden like presents wrapped in rough brown craft paper. The trouble, you see, needs to be unwrapped so that we can see the blessings. Once I was laid off from a job. Woe is me, I cried. A couple of weeks later, a man called me up to tell me that he was moving his product line from my former employer to me. And I was now the key seller in Georgia of industrial products from a, the German equivalent of Westinghouse, Asaya Brown Boveri. A great, wide line of high-quality products that were priced very well. And that started a business that eventually allowed me to pay myself twice what I'd made at my previous employer. It wasn't my doing. It was God stepping in and blessing me. He couldn't have blessed me with this if I hadn't been laid off. I just had to remove that rough brown paper wrapping from God's blessing. 
and his present for me. The next command from Paul, yeah, that's a biggie, do not quench the spirit. We are so willing to ignore the guidance of the Holy Spirit or say to it, shut up. We say, I can't do it. I can't do that, what you're telling me to do. I can't say what, pe- what you're telling me to say. People would make fun of me. Friends, if you're joyful, if you're feeling the Spirit move you, if you're being lifted up by the Spirit, go and let the Spirit take you where you need to go and you will fly. Paul tells us, don't treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what's good, reject every kind of evil. Folks, there are people who listen to the Spirit, people who hear what the Spirit is saying, and you can be one of them. But it's very easy to come back to the world and say, I don't believe that prophecy. How could it possibly happen? I've had God speak to me through the Spirit. Some of you have told me stories where you've heard from the Spirit. I've heard prophecies that were truly God sent, and I've heard fake prophecies from people that just wanted attention, people who wanted to sell books or promote their TV show or somehow wanted to collect money in some way. You know, it's not easy to tell the difference using our natural mind, but the Spirit can tell you. The Spirit will tell you, oh, that feels right, or the Spirit will tell you, nah, there's something wrong with that. If you listen, and if you're willing to trust that voice in the back of your mind. Mary received a prophecy that day from Gabriel. The messenger was clear. The message itself was clear. Mary was going to have a boy, a baby. And he would grow up to be the Messiah. And Mary recognized that that prophecy would come true because of who gave it to her. And it just felt right. And the Spirit confirmed it. And then Elizabeth confirmed it when she was speaking through the Spirit. Now, Joe, Joseph, he was skeptical at first. But then the angelic dream convinced him as the Holy Spirit spoke to him through that dream. We test prophecies by seeing where they come from. We compare them against Scripture. And also we listen to the Spirit who will guide us in this as in everything else. Paul ends up this section with a prayer, a prophecy that Jesus will return, and a statement of God's character. Listen to what Paul says. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is coming back, right? And the one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Those who knew Jesus and God best testified to God's character. They put it down in Scripture. Mary, Jesus, Paul, and the other apostles speak of how reliable God is and how He fulfills His promises. And now you know as things quiet down for the winter, you can start mining for gold. It's the time to once again read your Bible in depth. I'd start with the four Gospels at the beginning of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then after I got through with them and studied them to look for the gold, I'd read the rest of the New Testament. You know, most people can read the whole New Testament in a week or two. But you would need to take time to not skim it, 
but to look for the strange parts. Look where, where the wording is not what normal people would say. That's where you find a lot of gold, a lot of nuggets of wisdom. That's where you find the things that can change your life. And then you'll be refreshed with the joy of knowing, of knowing Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit much better. And perhaps you'll be as joyful as Mary and Elizabeth were that day long ago when Mary walked into Elizabeth's home and the baby John leaped in Elizabeth's womb and Elizabeth prophesied and Mary sang. Now you too, with the knowledge of God's scripture and the power of the Holy Spirit, you can also say, as Isaiah said about Jesus, and you know, Isaiah could also be speaking about you, Jesus quoted this one Sabbath morning when he began to minister. It can apply to each one of us as well as Jesus. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. You can do that. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. You know, I read, I'm on a Facebook group. I'm not quite sure why I'm there. It's called The Real uh, What's Happening in the MOV. And it's filled with despair, and it's filled with negativity. Once in a while, there's a spark of joy. I try to put in my two cents every once in a while in a positive way. Because what Isaiah prophesied applies to all Christians in potential. Oh, it definitely applied to Jesus, but it applies to everybody here. So be filled with joy and spread the joy of Christ's birth. And sing this closing hymn. Goes back, it was a song written by Beethoven and poetry that was translated from the German. Joyful, joyful, we adore thee. Joyful, joyful, we adore thee.
Cedar Grove United Methodist Church and Pastor Brian Boley would like to thank you for listening to last week's pre-recorded sermon. Join us live this Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and on Facebook. We are located on Route 47, a mile and a half east off I-77, just across from WVU Parkersburg campus. Donations may be mailed to Cedar Grove UMC, 168 Old Turnpike Road, Parkersburg, West Virginia, 26104. Or you can text the word GIVE to 1304-244-1903 or visit our website, cedargroveunitedmethodist.org and click on the GIVE tab. This will bring up a form where you can determine how much you would like to give. Thank you and God bless you in your life.